Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast With Tony Maradero 55 seconds left in the penalty A minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time Boston 4, Montreal 3 Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur the sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la bonne Ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to the Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Thursday, January 5th at one minute past 10 p.m. Eastern. And the Montreal Canadiens lose again, this time by a score of four to one to the New York Rangers. But Sasa la coupe, because that's what Shane Wright was skating around. On the ice at the end of the game, oh, yes, Team Canada are your gold medal winners at the World Junior Championships. They got out to a 2 nothing lead on goals by Dylan Gunther and Shane Wright. And then in period number three, in less than a minute, Czechia struck just like that twice. They tied the game at two. And you go to overtime, and at that point, there's two things that are going through your mind, or maybe three things. Number one, you're saying, oh, no, Chechia has the momentum now because they tied up the game, and who knows what the spirits are like in the Team Canada dressing room at the end of the three periods of play. Number two, you're saying, you know, Canada usually ends up winning these games in overtime. Are they going to find a way? And number three, you're probably saying, um, Connor Bedard's probably going to be the hero again. As it turns out, Connor Bedard was not the hero tonight. Uh, he wasn't able to score any of those big goals that he scored throughout this tournament. He still finishes the tournament with an incredible nine goals, 14 assists, 23 points in seven games. Shane Wright got a big goal for Canada 
We've been waiting for him to do something significant in this tournament. He scored a beautiful goal, to tell you the truth, to give Canada a 2-0 lead. And uh, you know what? It was not the best tournament for him. Seven points in seven games. Connor Bedard got that in one game alone. But I guess in the end, uh, you know, he's the captain of this team, and his mandate was um, to win a gold medal. And he was able to do just that. And he probably saved his best game for last, which is, you know what? Uh, that's also a pretty important thing. What can you say about Dylan Gunther with two goals? He was absolutely fantastic. And Joshua Roy, a former fifth-round pick of the Montreal Canadiens, looking more and more like a steal with each and every day, picks up the big assist in overtime. For Chechia, this one has to hurt because, you know, you go to an overtime that is played three-on-three, three, and losing an overtime sucks. Winning an overtime is great. Losing three-on-three, three, it's not easy. And even though most of us are Canadian, and we're probably happy that Canada won, obviously, for, you know, those reasons, uh, I think we can all agree that as much as it's there's a flair for the dramatic and as much as it's exciting, it just kind of sucks in a way that a game that is meant to be played five-on-five is determined with a three-on-three in overtime. It's like when you're watching soccer, the game is played 11v11. Actually, the game in hockey is actually played 6v6, we should say, because we got to include the goalies, of course. And in soccer, it's 11v11. And when a game is decided in penalty kicks, especially if it's, you know, a final game, it's tough to take. And this one was tough to take, but probably should have been five-on-five. And maybe one day they'll change the rule. Maybe one day they won't. The one thing you can say about three-on-three, it is exciting hockey. I mean, let's be honest here. You have all kinds of open ice. You have all kinds of room. You have all kinds of space. And, uh, you know, you just try and get the puck to the uh, on the stick of your best player. And, and Connor Bedard was out there for a couple of shifts in overtime, and they tried to get him the puck, and he wanted the puck. And unfortunately for him, he wasn't able to get it done. But, my God, if you saw the way he handled the interview at the end of the game where he was asked about his performance and, and the numbers that he put up, and he basically looked at the interviewer and said, it's not about me. This is about those group of guys. This is about this team. The team won the gold medal, and my God, I mean, 17 years old, 2005, the youngest player at the tournament, so young he's got to play with a full mask because he's not 18 years old yet, and he handles that interview like he's a seasoned NHL veteran, uh, eight or nine years in the National Hockey League, like 26 or a 27-year-old would, maybe even better than that, and it's pretty cool. And you got to hand it to Canada, you know, who opened this tournament, losing to Chechia by a score, uh, five to two, and uh, you know they they were in the papers and for the wrong reasons. And guys were calling out, you know, Shane Wright and uh, and um, and um, was it Shane Wright or was it Fantilli? I think it was Fantilli and Bedard, if memory serves me well, that were trying the Michigan and stuff like that, saying we're not going to win this tournament doing the Michigan. You didn't see another Michigan for the rest of the tournament. I don't think that's why they lost game one, but anyway. They, they faced a lot of criticism, and they were able to bounce back. And, you know, you just you had a feeling that they would win before the game because were they going to lose twice to Chechia? You probably thought not, but what a close game. What a great tournament. Yes, there were a couple of blowouts, no doubt about it. I mean, Austria was blown out a couple of times in Germany too, and the Swiss as well. But what a great, great tournament it was. The Canadians are not going through a great sequence. And I told you, and I'm going to tap myself on the back for this one, um, probably in around the 10th, 11th, 12th of December, uh, 
One of the things I said right here on the Sick Podcast, and you're watching live right now on YouTube, and you're watching on Facebook, and you're watching on Twitter. Good evening. Grant McCagg of Recruits and Recruits.ca is going to join us in about 30 seconds or so. But uh, the Sick Podcast is brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. I was at Lacage LaSalle, as a matter of fact, tonight for the first two periods of the game and came back to watch the third so I can get ready for the podcast. Of course, brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. I was saying, I have told you, I told you here on the SICK podcast that I told you on Jean-Charles Lajoie's Premier Contar radio show at BPM Spa, 91.9 on your FM dial. And I also told you on Jean-Charles Lajoie's GC at TVA Sport TV show, weeknights between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. I was telling you leading up to December 17, I said between December 17 and January 5th, when the Canadians come back from the long road trip, including the game versus the Rangers, I don't see the Montreal Canadiens picking up too many points. As a matter of fact, I see them losing a heck of a lot of games. And when all is said and done, the Canadians are going to be either 27th or 28th in the standings out of 32 teams. And as it stands, after January 5th, which was tonight, the Canadians lose to the New York Rangers by a score of 4-1. to The Canadians are 27th in the league with 33 points in 39 games. They're two points up on the Arizona Coyotes, who hold two games in hand, two points up on the San Jose Sharks, who have played the same amount of games as the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, I hate to say I told you so for some of you who actually doubted me or didn't like my prediction, but I saw this one coming from a mile away. I wonder if you did, too. I'll ask the same question to Grant McCagg of Recruits.ca. He's a former scout with the Montreal Canadiens. Grant, what's going on? Can you pick my uh, lottery numbers there, Tony? You know what? To be um, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was that much of a huge prediction. I mean, no, no. If, you're, if you're paying attention, you know that Jake Allen, that Montembeau stole points in the first month, month and a half of the season, that Jake Allen stole points in the last month of the season, that Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield were on a pace that you would think was going to slow down. Doc got moved to center at one point because Monaghan went down with an injury. Uh, Brendan Gallagher's out now. They started to face a couple of injuries. They don't have a lot of depth to begin with. All of a sudden, there's five young defensemen in the lineup. I don't think it was a. I don't think it was that much of a crazy prediction, Grant. And no, no. I felt pretty strongly about it. And here we are. Yeah. Well, it, you know, with the seven-game road trip too, right? And uh, yeah, yeah. I just uh, everything kind of added up, and uh, you know, you can only uh, overachieve for so long. And then, you know, Suzuki has three points. I was looking at it, three points in his last thirteen games, I guess. Yeah. All of a sudden, so. You know, there was about, I mean, he, every year since he's been with the Canadians and he's still a young player, he, he hit uh, slumps and, uh, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a good time to do it, but there never is a good time, I suppose. But yeah, on the other hand, I guess, you know, the reality was that they probably weren't going to make the playoffs. So maybe uh, it'll end up being for the best at, in the long run. 
So what I want to do tonight is I want to talk a little bit about the World Juniors. I want to talk about some of the prospects. I want to talk about some of the drafted players, some of the undrafted players, a little bit about the Canadian Slavkovsky as well, and the decision not to send him and what his game's all about right now. There's talk of him being sent down to Laval. We're going to try and cover as much as we can, but let me ask you this to start. Before the tournament started, where was Connor Bedard on your list? What did your top three list look like before the tournament started? Well, I had Bedard uh, number one. I've had him number one since mid-November. Uh, my first preliminary draft list, it was in late October, and at the time, Bedard wasn't playing very well. I think he had 14 points in 10 games, which, I mean, for, you know, for most prospects is great, but for Bedard, it's not. And he wasn't playing well defensively. Yeah. Um, and Fantilli was. He was playing uh, just lights out. So my first draft list in October, uh, just like I did with uh, my first draft list last year, I didn't have the guy that people expected number one to be number one. But certainly with the qualifier that if Bedard picked up his game, he'd be back in the first place and uh in first spot and yeah i mean it, i think i don't know if you saw my list tony but I, I i almost feel like it was like uh you know it lit a fire under him uh if he did because it, it was like the next game he started scoring three points a game it was just crazy he's in the months of uh november and december he had 58 points in 18 games or, yeah so i mean by mid-November, it was, you know, it was quite obvious that uh, Bedard uh, got his game going and that he was the number one prospect. So going into the World Juniors, it was Bedard was one, Fantilli was two, and uh, Leo Carlson three. Okay. Um, I think that's probably, you know, for most people, that's still the order that, that uh, for most people, but in my uh in my mind uh Dvorsky put himself strongly into into consideration for the top uh for the second spot as well but for me now it's just it's clear cut um Bedard going away uh he looks like a generational player i uh, i don't know if you saw the tsn uh you know preamble to the to the world junior today but they had craig button on and he was you know was asked if he thought that uh, Bedard is a generational player or could be. Didn't even say could be, just asked if he was, and he said yes. But I think he can, he can be a generational player. He's got, I think he's got that dynamic uh, quality to him. I, I, you know what, I, I think he is. As, I, I think he will be as well, Grant. Uh, when we talk generational players, of course, we talk uh, Wayne Gretzky, we talk Mario Lemieux, we talk Sidney Crosby, we talk Alex Ovechkin, we talk Connor McDavid. And uh, you know what? I have no problem putting uh, Connor Bedard on that list. And I see a lot of people on social media talking about, well, you know, his 200-foot game and the turnovers that he makes, and he's no Crosby. And I'm going to tell you that as well. You're right. He is no Crosby. And Crosby is, and I, I don't believe when Connor Bedard's career is all said and done, that he'll be a better 200-foot player than Sidney Crosby. I don't believe he will be. I don't think he's that kind of player. He does turn the puck over. Yes, he's not a 200-foot player. Yes, but he's an incredible offensive player. And some incredible offensive players, 
you have to be able to live with their shortcomings because what they give you is far more beneficial and greater than what they don't give you. And for everyone on social media who right now is concentrating on Connor Bedard in the faceoff circle or Connor Bedard's 200-foot game or Connor Bedard giving away the puck, you're an idiot. You're an <laughs> idiot. There's no – it's very hard to find the perfect player, and Sidney Crosby comes pretty close to it. But why do you pay attention to that? I mean, this guy has beat Canada's record for any player wearing a Canadian jersey at the World Juniors for goals at the World Juniors, for points at the World Juniors, doing it this year as a 2005 and the youngest player in the tournament, being so much better than his teammates and everyone else that it's not even a discussion and it's not even close. There was a guy that, for the most part, a lot of people thought was going to go number one overall last year, Shane Wright, and he more than tripled his offensive production in this tournament. As a matter of fact, he did in one game what Shane Wright was able to do all tournament in seven games. Why are people, why do people always focus on what, a, what an athlete cannot do instead of what an athlete can do? It drives me absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, like uh, were people worried about uh, Patrick Kane's defensive game when he was winning three cups, you know? Um, I think he'd probably end up being a winger and a uh, 60 goal winger, you know, 60 goal winger, 80 assist. Who cares? He could be play water boy for all I care, you know, uh, with stats like that. I think he can be a 60 goal, 70, maybe a 70 goal score. In the Grant, I said yesterday and uh, you know, some people say, Whoa, what did you just say? And I have no problem repeating it because the, I'm not scared of predictions and I'm not scared of being wrong, okay? I'd rather have an opinion for you to listen to it and if I'm right, I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? I'd rather yeah. do that than not have any opinions at all. You know what? <laughs> it's not my kind of radio. It's not my kind of podcasting. I said yesterday that if the Montreal Canadiens would get as lucky, so lucky as to be able to win the lottery and draft Connor Bedard, I believe he can do something that Guy Lafleur once did for the Montreal Canadiens, and that is score 50 goals six seasons in a row. And oh, you know yeah. what? Ovechkin never did it. No. but And it's very, very hard. Well, But I, I made a prediction. This guy yeah. is, as long as he's healthy, this guy's going to score yeah. goals in... Yeah, sixty-five uh, percent of his games. He uh, he could break Bossy's record. I think he he had nine straight fifty-goal seasons till his back gave out. I wouldn't doubt that uh, that he could do that if if you know as long as he doesn't get injured. But that he just <laughs> like it's hard not to uh, see him score. Like for him to average a goal every two games, even it just that's going to be he'll be slumping. I think, you know, he's uh, he's just got such an incredible shot it, and uh, just everything. So offensively, you know, at one point there, uh, Frazier or Jay Fresh or whatever uh, posted a stat where every yeah. fourth shift he was getting a point, you know, in the tournament. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just no one's, you know, Lindros. Remember how dominant Lindros was yeah. at that age? Yeah. He just blew him, you know. Uh, just no comparison uh, as far as production goes. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, it just uh, absolutely incredible. And um, I loved, like you said there, when he, you know, he was tired of being asked about himself, you know, like even the time before he could tell he was irritated when she, you know, it's one nothing game after a period and you're asking about him breaking a record. Like, you know, he's, uh, Andre Tournier told me about it before too, where he's super competitive and wants to win badly. And, uh, he wants to score that goal. You could see it even in the overtime, you know, mm-hmm. just hungry, hungry, hungry. Like I'm, I'm the guy I'm going to end this, you know, and then yeah. that goal, that goal that he scored in the overtime, Tony, that, you know, the last game, that was just amazing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really something else. Uh, all right. Okay. Um, Shane Wright, your thoughts on his game? Uh, his game today? Yeah. On his game tonight. Yeah. Big goal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought maybe you meant for the tournament, but uh, no, he, he didn't play too I thought he played better tonight than uh, than in a, in several games in the tournament. Like overall, I wasn't real happy with his uh, tournament. Uh, he didn't have an even strength goal till till today. Uh, he scored a very nice goal. He worked hard today for the most part. I thought he had a he, he had his best game of the tournament today. I thought um, the I thought second goal that the Czech scored. I'm not sure what he was doing while he was out at the point. He should have been in the in, you know, covering the covering the the slot, which is where the puck ended up going and, and going in the net, and everyone got caught puck watching. But he's the centerman, you know. You can excuse the winger a little bit with that, but what's he doing out covering the point? You know, he was kind of in no man's land there. Uh, so that part of it, you know, I, I was disappointing. But overall, he competed hard. He could have had two or three goals, I thought tonight. You know, with a little luck and. Uh, that was his best game of the of the uh, of the World Junior, I think. Joshua Roy, two goals last game, gets a big assist tonight on the game winner in overtime. What a great play he made! Uh, of course, they're on a two on one, and the defenseman goes down, and he goes around them, and he passes the puck over uh, to Dylan Gunter, uh, fifth round pick by the Montreal Canadiens. That looks like an incredible steal by Trevor Timmins. An incredible, incredible steal by Trevor Timmins. So now the big question is, can his game translate to the National Hockey League level? Sure. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's showing that he can kill penalties. Like, he, um, like, even if he doesn't crack the top six in Montreal's lineup, I think it's important that you're able to play a, a, a good enough two-way game that you can play a third-line role uh, until perhaps you, you do get good enough to, to play in the top six. You know, sometimes offensive type, smaller uh, players, they th- like that. They say, well, if he can't play in the top six, he's, you know, he can't play. But Roy has uh, has demonstrated that he, he he plays a 200 foot game. You know, he's he's good penalty killer. He uh, yeah. very, it just he's so so intelligent. You know, in, yeah. on top of, of being skilled, and uh, we've seen his skating come a long way. Like I, I don't see. I, I saw no issues. The pace of those games, some of those games, Tony, were faster than any some NHL games that I watched this year. You know, really, really fast hockey, and he had no issues whatsoever, uh, keeping up for the most part. So uh, I don't see it holding him back because he's so smart and so skilled. You know, Luke, it didn't hold back Luke Robitaille, didn't hold back Steve Shutt. You yeah. know, 
uh, it's not going to hold back Josh Oluwa, I don't think. Yeah. Hey, listen, there's a lot of folks on YouTube live right now who are saying Grant hates Shane Wright. And before you say anything, Grant, I'm going to say this. Folks, the word hate is a big word. I'm sure that Grant does not hate Shane Wright. But, you know, but here's the deal, folks. He doesn't have to love him. He doesn't have to love Shane Wright. I mean, just because you love him, he doesn't have to love him. Just because you like him, he doesn't have to like him. You could say whatever you want about Grant, but when most people had Shane Wright number one on their list, at one point last year, Grant told you he didn't have him at number one, he told you he didn't have him at number two, and he told you he didn't have him at number three. And as it turns out, he ended up being drafted number four. And this season... He spent a lot of time in the American Hockey League, and at the National Hockey League level, I believe he's got a goal, and it was just against the Montreal Canadiens. He is not convinced at the NHL level. He's played a lot better at the American Hockey League level. He went down to play this World Juniors. Up until tonight, everyone was waiting for him to do something significant, which he did tonight, but he finished the tournament with a very underwhelming seven points and seven games for a guy who on most people's lists a year ago was one number one, Okay, and he got overshadowed by a lot of players in this tournament. There's a lot of players in this tournament who had a better tournament than Shane Wright. He doesn't end up making the all-star team. If there would have been a second all-star team, he wouldn't have made that one either. And if there would have been a third all-star team, he wouldn't have made that one either. Grant, you correct me if I'm wrong. So you know what, folks, for all of you saying that Grant hates Shane Wright, he doesn't have to love him, man. And so far, so far. Shane Wright has been underachieving and underperforming and has been underwhelming. So I don't know why you're giving Grant a hard time. I really don't. And by the way, if Grant was being unfair towards Shane Wright, I would have taken issue with Grant tonight. I would have gone head-to-head with and I would have told him, what you're doing is not right. I don't have a problem what he's doing, folks. He doesn't have to love him as a player. I yeah, and uh, I don't know. Since the draft, I I've been pretty uh, diplomatic. I do believe, you know. I really don't. I mean, I I even come close to criticizing, and and there's people that just jump all over it. It's been like that since I first, you know, since I first didn't have him first overall last year. You know, they, they, like I some kind of vendetta that I have or something. I just I, I like I, all I've ever said it on from personal basis as far as Shane Wright the person. I have absolutely no issues with him. And I, you know, and I tweeted any tweets that I made uh, uh, going into the tournament and everything were in support of Shane and throughout the tournament wanted him to do, you know, I wanted him to lead Canada to a, that's more important than, than any, you know, oh, well, I don't want Shane Wright to score, uh, you know, that that's not my attitude at all with Shane Wright. I did not, I've never once said that, you know, that I don't like the guy. You know, uh, personally, uh, in any any sense, uh, it's it, it's my job is to rank hockey players, and uh, if they're doing things that I don't think justify them being first overall, I'm going to say it. Does it mean that I hate them? No, I think I've been proven, like you say, Tony, that you know there were there were reasons why you shouldn't have ranked them first overall last year, and it, it had nothing to do with. Why would I hate him? He's a Canadian hockey player, you know, that I want to help, that uh, that just helped Canada win gold medal, and and I'm happy for him as can be. 
I loved his interviews today. I loved his interviews all throughout the tournament. He, yeah. you know, he's, he's a nice kid. And I've never said anything other than that as far as the kid goes. So I'm not. He, he, look, he scored a big goal in the biggest yes. game. He captained Canada to goal. Everyone's happy for him. Yes. No doubt about it. But the fact remains that Logan Cooley had a better tournament than Shane Wright. Simon Nevich had a better tournament than Shane Wright. David Yurichek had a better tournament than Shane Wright. There's a lot of guys that were drafted in the top six or seven last year that had a better yeah. tournament than Shane Wright. Grant, correct me if I'm wrong. No, Cutter Goche, I thought, you know, I mean, sure. You know, you go down the list, to the top five, the other guys in the top five outplayed him, and Yurichek, sorry, top six. So, yeah, I, he didn't have a great tournament. You know, he was given lots of opportunity and uh, wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't producing um, even strength. Um, he was okay. He, he played an okay tournament, but it wasn't, he, he certainly didn't play like he'd say, oh, well, he should have been the first overall pick, you know. Haven't yeah. seen that yet this season. And I'm not saying that he won't end up being, maybe he ends up being the best player from this draft class yet. I don't know that. You don't know who's going to be the best, you know. Eight months after the draft, you don't know who's going to be the best player in the draft class. No. All I know is that so far it doesn't look like it. And so far it doesn't look like I was wrong in in ranking where I did. All right. Now, uh, and as someone points out via YouTube, Joshua Roy had a better tournament than Shane Wright. And I think you'd have to agree with that as well. Now, <laughs> speaking of the draft last year, Yuri Slavkovsky goes number one to the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadians choose not to send Yuri Slavkovsky to play for Slovakia at these World Juniors. Uh, I've been saying for a while now, I believe they made a mistake. Your thoughts? I'd love to hear from you. <clears throat> well, I didn't think so at the time, but, you know, given the the, the slide that they've gone on and that you apparently knew was going to happen, uh, you know, did we really need him to be around this environment for the past couple of weeks? Maybe it would have been more positive for him to be you know, with, with his uh, country mates and trying to win a gold medal at the uh, World Juniors. But I do know that, you know, I, uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to ask, have a Q&A with him through his father uh, in the fall there that I put up on my website. Um, and I asked him, you know, would you like to play in the, in the World Juniors this year? And he said, well, no, I want to play Montreal, you know. I want to play the whole season in Montreal. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's not going to come right out and say that probably if, you know, it depends on how the questions are asked and the context and stuff. But, that you know, I believe that, that, that you know, deep down in his heart, he thinks he's in the NHL or he thinks he should be playing in the NHL. And um, so, you know, from that regard, no. Um, but... Uh, I also think that maybe, you know, there he's getting a lot of teaching and a lot he's learning a lot. And I think perhaps maybe he, he's still so full of confidence, you know. You see him trying to do things and that that you, you normally wouldn't see an 18-year-old try to do in the NHL level. And I almost think that they were maybe a little concerned that if he went back there, you know, uh, maybe sunk back into some old habits. You know where he's uh, he's trying to do too much, um, not not keeping his head up because uh, he's bigger than everybody else, and and things like that. Where 
I think perhaps they thought, ah, we'll keep him here. We'll keep, you know, we'll keep bringing him along. It's a process. Yeah, he's not scoring a lot of points, but it's more about the process than it is about the points this year, you know. Grant, other- Grant, I'd be willing to bet that a couple of nights ago when he was in his hotel room and he was watching Slovakia mm-hmm. play Canada at the World Juniors, I'd be willing to bet that he wishes he would have wish- been on that ice. Yeah, I know. And I was thinking the same thing, you know, especially when, you know, geez, uh, do I want to be on the ice losing 9-2, <laughs> you know, games 9-2, or would I like to have been helping my my team? And, yeah, I mean, but, you know, that's hindsight, right? You, right, don't know, so- you don't know at the time, and uh, they didn't know that the, they were going to start losing game seven. Too. They didn't know that Gooley and, and Savari to get injured. They didn't know these things. So I hear you. you know. What I do know about Matrix Home Fitness is that it's, uh, you know, quality, quality fitness equipment. Bring it home. Discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca. Uh, you should see my youngest on it with an incline of about seven or eight. It's not normal, some of the things that he does. I told him, Mark, well, you got to take it easy, bud. Bring the incline down to about two to three degrees. All right, okay, matrixhomefitness.ca. Go out there, whether if it's a treadmill, or elliptical, bike, fitness equipment, absolutely fantastic. All right. Seeing as every now and then, or as of late, I've been making a little bit of sense, I also <laughs> said in the last month, if I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I send Uri Slavkowski to the World Juniors. Once they're over, whether he does great or he doesn't do great, I'm sending him to Laval anyway because the Canadians are going to be losing a lot of games. It's not going to be a great environment, and I want to see him dominate and send him to Laval where he'll get more ice time. He'll demand the puck. He'll pick up the puck. He'll try and do things with the puck. Then I also said I'd bring I'd bring him back to the Canadians with four, maybe five games left in the regular season, which is my message to him in ending the season is that you're right. You know what? You're back in the National Hockey League. What you went through was a process. You are a National Hockey League player. You're finishing the season in Montreal because that's where you're going to start it next year. Unfortunately, the Canadians didn't agree with me with sending him to the World Juniors. Do you believe they'll agree with me in sending him to Laval? And my question to you is, would you send him to Laval? I have been uh, I have been reticent to to say that in part I think I, I you know part partly of what I was saying about going to the World Juniors where you know does he pick up some bad habits going uh, going to the AHL again like it, it's not that he doesn't lack confidence it's it's almost like they they have to kind of curb the confidence from him some you know yeah it'd be nice to. You know, for him to go down and, and score a bunch of points, I suppose. But, I mean, I look at Joe Thornton's rookie year. I look at uh, other big guys who were 18 years old that didn't get sent down to the minors. And, you know, they stayed with the team. They they bought into the program. They were taught, you know, game to game. I mean, w- would you rather have Slavkowski being taught by Marty St. Louis or J.F. Wool? I would rather him being taught every day and practicing against you know Suzuki and uh, and all those guys every day yeah he's going to play a few more minutes in Laval but 12 minutes practicing against all those guys getting tutored by Nicholas Marty St. Louis you know there there's two ways of looking at it but I do certainly know I do certainly get your point on that Tony where you know it may not hurt him to go down I know he's a proud kid and I don't think he wants to go down either there's that too. Um, 
I, I, it's a tough call for me, Tony. I've kind of bounced that back and forth. You know, the longer he goes here without a point, and the longer and and the worse the team plays, I, I start to you know it starts leaning t- that way towards maybe maybe he should get sent down to the to the AHL for a while. You know, so. Grant, I know about five or six minutes ago you said something to the effect of he's still trying things which is good, so there's confidence there. But I'm going to respectfully disagree on one thing. Trying things could be one thing. Mm -hmm. He doesn't appear to be a player with an awful lot of confidence to me right now. And 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 you know what? Look, I I, I, I you know I I can't possibly put himself in his head. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm thinking. Imagine somebody else. But yeah, uh, you know, a player with you, you, we know that your confidence is affected when you don't pick up points. And I know that right. there's more that there's more than just points at the National Hockey League level. There's playing a good 200 foot game. There's being a reliable player. There's all that stuff. Okay. But off the top yeah. of your head, Grant, because I can go back and look too, but off the top of your head, when was the last time Slavkowski picked up a point? Yeah. No, it's you're, no, you're right. It's been about a dozen eight, eight, games. Eight games ago, nine games ago. Like, when was the last time? A dozen games, was, uh, something like that, you know. But, so, I mean, Nick, Nick Suzuki has three points in his last 12 games. Should we send him to the minors? No, but it's clear that Nick Suzuki is NHL ready, and I don't think it's clear that Slavkowski no. is number one. Number two... Um, yeah. number two is that, you know, you mentioned Adam Nicholas can work with him. He could work with him in Laval as well. well right? I, I suppose. And, but and, and, and not... I'd also like to add Grant that he could probably spend more time with him in Laval that he could. Maybe, in Montreal. maybe, you maybe. Know? I don't, you know, what if they, what if they're not real comfortable with the coaching staff in Laval right now? They didn't okay. hire those guys. That's, that's, that's a great point. But now let me ask you something. Like, what, if what, if, what if they're not comfortable with about five or six guys on their team right now with the Montreal Canadiens and him hanging around those guys that are negative and not happy with their playing time, not happy with their situation, not happy with their status, and they want out? Is that a better environment? Is Are things rosy in Laval right now? Maybe there's, no. eight, maybe there's 10 guys in Laval not happy about their playing I, I hear you. I hear you. Look, I... I, I get I you, though. I, I just... So your points are all well taken and well noted. I just, yeah. you know, at one point, they sent Cole Caulfield to Laval. And he did well when he went to Laval. And he picked up some goals. And then he came back. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's the reason why Cole became Cole. But I don't see how it could hurt him if he goes to Laval to play over 20 minutes a game on a top line to see if he can start scoring again, if he can start picking up points again, if, you know, we know that by having more time and space, he's going to be able, like, he got hit a couple of times this year, right? A good four or five times with his head down, which is a habit of having his head down, and also less time and less space. It's the best league in the world, right? He goes down to the American Hockey League. He's going to have more time and space, Grant. Tony, he got hit also because he was tired at the end of shifts. So if you're playing him 20 minutes a night in the in the minors, uh, the end of shifts, uh, you know, maybe he he gets hurt really bad in in Laval. Like uh, the thing about um, it, it's just like 20 minutes. I don't think he's ready for 20 minutes at any level right now. I don't okay. think he should be playing that. His stamina has to be built and i don't think it can be built in a month or two playing okay. in the AHL. i think it's going to be over the next nine months you know uh 
you look, they, sh they show him on the bench and he's breathing harder than anybody else at the end of shifts. Like they're showing him on the bench and he's just heaving. And you can tell that he's, uh, he's still got like 18 year old kid, six foot four, trying to keep up in the NHL. You know, he's still got to, he's still got to build his endurance and his stamina. So you send him to Laval, you play him 20 minutes when he's having problems playing 12. Uh, I, I think that's that's a, that's a recipe for for being injured. You know, at the, uh, out at the end of a shift, he's been out uh, playing. He's not, you know, his stamina isn't ready for that. He's an 18 year old kid. Like the HL isn't a, isn't a cakewalk for for 18 year old kids, even when you're first overall. Let alone, there's a lot of tough kids. You know, I don't know. I don't know that that's the answer to everything. Is to send him to. To, to play 18 minutes a game and 20 minutes a game in the AHL when I don't think his stamina is there right now. He's got to build his endurance. Yeah. And I, I don't know, but certainly, you know, every point you made is valid, Tony. And I like, I wouldn't be averse to him going to the AHL, but I also see, I, I'll understand if they don't, I, I'll understand. And I think I, I've, I've stated some of the reasons about why they may, they may not. I hear you. Look, and every point you brought up is 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 valid too. I just think that his situation is stagnant. Yeah. That's that's yeah. all. All right. Um, I can't I want, argue with that. I want to get back to uh, I want to get back to um, the World Juniors, and uh, you know we talked about Connor Bedard, and it's obvious now on everyone's list that Connor Bedard is number one, and it, it looks like it doesn't really matter what's going to happen the rest of the season. He's number one, and he's not going to be. You don't think I don't think he would be, you know, he's not he's going to sway from that that ranking. My question to you is, who is the number two after watching what you watched? Is it Fantilli? Is it Carlson or is it Dvorsky? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's far too early to like certainly, you know, to make any uh, declaration at, at this point. It, they're they're so close to me. They're all different players, you know. Yeah. Um, I think what it's going to come down to it a lot is, uh, how they, how they do the rest of the season and that playoff time, you know, um, it, from a six game tournament, you take things from it, but it's certainly only uh, like at the absolute most, it's a, it's one fifth of, of, you know, pertinence as far as the, the total, you know, the total year and their draft year, you know, um, it, so it, it's a piece of it, and uh, I thought before the last two games, I thought Carlson and Dvorsky had closed the gap on Fantilli to the point where Fantilli, you know, might be four now. And then the last two games, uh, Fantilli, you know, when, when it counted, when uh, when it was really important, though the semifinal and the final, we saw some things with Fantilli that we hadn't seen earlier once he scored that goal you could see the the confidence uh yeah in his game really uh we, we started to see what i had saw earlier in the year you know and why he why i thought when bedard wasn't playing great to start the year that that it was close for one two but uh uh yeah i mean i was leaning towards Dvorsky before the last two games from fantilli um but it's close for all three of those guys. Hey, maybe they get Dvorsky and you have an all Slovak <laughs> yeah. line one day of Dvorsky, Slavkovsky, yeah. and Makar. 
Oh yeah, it, it's crossed my mind. Uh, that kid is—he's uh, just—he's going to help you win playoff games. You know, he may never be a ninety-point scorer or whatever in the regular season, but you're dropping the puck in a playoff game. This kid's—this kid's, kid's going to be dynamite. He—he yeah. he, he reminds me of, of Bergeron. Like you know, the people were saying comparing Wright to Bergeron last year. He's a lot closer uh, at that age, that type of player where he's just so smart and so good defensively. He's like a third defenseman. Out yeah, there. he re- he reminds me a lot of Ryan O'Reilly. When that, I see that's, him, I that's see, not bad. Yeah, yeah, I see Ryan O'Reilly. Um, okay, yeah. so now uh, Milic, the goalie. Your thoughts on him? Uh, I hope he gets drafted this year. Uh, certainly, you know, given given the uh, the fact that he, uh, you know, he played he played so strong for the for the Canadian team once once he got the you know they handed him the ball there. Um, he, he obviously he's what six one at the most, yeah. six foot and a half inch. Uh, Bob McKenzie went into it pretty good the other day, and it, it's unfortunate. It's like being under six foot and being a quarterback doesn't matter how good you are. Uh, they they look at that and they say no, we'll pass. You know, it, it's unfortunate. You look back a couple of years, a few years back. Remember Michael DiPietro? He was uh, best goalie in junior hockey for two years. You know, led Canada, went to the World Juniors, was great, lights out, all that. He hasn't even got a sniff in the NHL. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so tough. When you're uh, when you're not the uh, the prototypical size to get that opportunity, but certainly you'd hope late late in the draft, you know, when you're picking these guys that aren't going to probably ever play in the NHL anyways, uh, that somebody takes a flyer on them and and uh, drafts them. Yeah, I, I believe you can sign him. Can you not? He's an undrafted player. Can you not sign him? He's not going through another draft, is he? Well, if he's playing at the World Juniors, I I do believe he's still eligible for the draft. I could be wrong on that, but I, you know, if you're playing in the World Junior, you're still under 20, right? So he would, uh, this would be his last year of eligibility, I do believe. Yeah, because there were... Oh, no, uh, if he was passed over twice already, maybe... Well, he was passed over twice, and I remember reading something... Okay. About, about the Minnesota Wild had invited him uh, on a PTO to their camp. And they had signed, there were about seven players that were invited, and they signed six of them. And the one that they didn't was actually Milich. Right, right. Yeah. But you can be like, you don't have to be, you can still be draft eligible and invited, you know, to camps as a free agent, you know, as an as a invite. And, uh, still be you know that doesn't mean that he's not draft eligible you know what i mean yeah i i I think he could be signed but you know what i have agnello and sammy back at master control guys if you can research it so that we give the right information by the time we get off the air here uh we just like to to make sure well okay tony i think i yeah like a team could sign him i guess yeah because he was undrafted but that doesn't mean that he's still not going to be eligible for the draft. Maybe, I you know Tony, I, you got me on that one. I, no, and listen, I got myself on that one. Too. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll ask Agnello and Sammy. 
yeah to to, to basically because look we, we can't research it while we're doing a show here so they'll research it and we'll see what they can come up with but yeah you know a lot of people have been talking about him and he had some ups and he had some downs but i think when the you know the more important games this guy bounced back i mean he had a shaky start to the tournament but he bounced back uh I yeah thought he, you know so yeah yeah no he's he, Owen yeah. Beck, talk to me about him because obviously there was an injury. Owen Beck is the guy who gets called. Um, I, I know you're very, very high on him. I believe you probably thought that he was going to be on this team to begin with. Um, yeah. And that's and that's look that that could definitely been. Uh, he played pretty good last game. Um, he, you know, you talked about a smart player. You talked about Dvorsky before and playing a 200 foot game. I mean. Owen Beck's a good hockey player. Yeah, yeah. And so is Kapanen. You know, I was impressed with uh, Kapanen's 200-foot game at the at the World Juniors as well. He uh, he was solid, you know. Almost he won one player of the game and could have won two, you know. Uh, the two of them, like, are both – they have middle, center potential all day long, both of them. Uh, you know, there's going to be quite a dogfight uh, down the road for uh, – for that second and third center spot, you know, and partly depending on, on where doc ends up playing, but certainly both of those guys showed have shown that they, uh, they could be really good number two and number three centers down the road. Uh, Beck's uh, yeah, Beck. It, it's unfortunate that he, that he didn't make the team. Cause I really think he was the ideal player for that team. And he, he, I think he could have played a third line role and been very effective. And, you know, given the little bit of time that he did play, I thought he was quite effective. It's, it's hard as, as you know, to, to, uh, to sit in the bench most of the time and, and come in there and be effective. And I thought he, he did a really good job. Three on three hockey to determine a gold medal. Your thoughts. Uh, beats a shootout. You know that it does. Yeah. Uh, personally, I, th I think if you're going to go that route, uh, I go four on four. But uh, you can't uh, you can't dispute that it's entertaining. It, you know, it's highly entertaining. It's end to end. It's like pond hockey. All right. Okay. The Canadians. Let's get back to them. What do you make of all the criticism of Marty Saint Louis lately? Uh, you've seen, I know you're very, very, uh, you're omnipresent on social media. You've been reading it. Uh, you know, he's not a technician. He's not this, he's not that, you know, he's not winning games. Yada, yada, yada. What do you make of it? I actually haven't seen that much, uh, of, of those criticisms. Well, I, maybe, I they're, I, maybe they're just replying to me then because yeah. I, tonight. I think I, I mute, I, you know, uh, 10, 15 years on Twitter, Tony, I, you, you mute, you know, uh, it, you have a tendency to have a pretty good idea after a while of who the who the whiners and complainers are after a while and you mute them and you don't you don't uh, see yeah. a lot of that stuff you know <laughs> all, all right we, we we got our answer are you ready thomas milich yeah. will turn 20 years old in april right therefore so he's, a, he's not eligible for the draft as all north american players must be under 20 by December of the draft year in order to be selected at the draft. He is considered an undrafted free agent, so any NHL team can sign him to a contract at any point. Okay. Got, got that? All right. Okay. 
So we got that out of the way. Um, the Habs, you're, you know, you, Marty St. Louis, even though he knows that they're in a rebuild and it's been very, very clear to him, obviously there's some frustration mounting because he's starting to hear it that also it's not about losing, it's the way you lose and the Canadians are losing bad and this and that and whatever. And I wish a lot of people wouldn't have gone with this and I'm going to tell you why. Because this narrative has been coming up a lot lately, because this, you know, it's just one, you know, losing is one thing. This is this is losing badly, blah, blah, blah. You know what's going to happen? What happened tonight? They're going to try so hard to not give up the nine, the eight, the seven, the six, the five goals that they're going to play tight. They're going to bottle up. They're going to tighten up. Or I should say bottle down and tighten up. They're going to try and play much better defensive hockey, and the games are going to be a lot less entertaining. Tonight's game at the Bell Center was a snooze fest. <laughs> Over 17 minutes in, the Canadians didn't have a shot on goal. Yul Armia gets the only goal for the Canadians, was able to pounce on a loose puck within three or four feet of Yaroslav Alak. I think the Canadians' best scoring chances, one hopped over Armia's stick and one hopped over Edmondson. Other than that, it was not an entertaining game. And I'm telling you, for all the media that is coming out and saying that this, well, losing is one thing, this is no way to lose, I think you're going to end up seeing a lot of boring games between now and the end of the year. I hope I'm wrong. No, I, you know, uh, that's probably, that could be the case, you know. <laughs> but if you got four or five rookie defensemen playing a lot of nights, it, you know, may not be boring for the other team some nights but you know it's i still think there's going to be some high scoring games but hopefully it's not just the other team that that's scoring the goals uh but yeah yeah you know that that might be the case but uh, certainly so far anyways marty's not uh not nearly as conservative as as the last few coaches have been so i'm hoping i'm hoping that won't be the case uh, a lot of eyes were on Alexis Lafreniere tonight from St. Estache, Quebec. He was a healthy scratch the other night. He's still looking for an ide- identity. His career hasn't gone exactly the way he probably would have pl- planned it in year three of his three-year entry-level contract. Tonight he played 13 minutes and 29 seconds. He was scoreless. He was pointless. Um, he had one shot on goal. He was a plus one in the hockey game. Uh, a lot of talk of the Rangers probably trading Lafreniere. I don't know what would be the price to pay. I have a feeling that if they do, watch out for Vancouver, where his former agent is now uh, part of the management team there. And if I had to guess, I would say that if Lafreniere gets traded, he's going to Vancouver. But if he does get traded, a lot of people will say, why did it the Montreal Canadiens go after him? Is that a player that you would be interested in if the Rangers decide to move him, and if so, what's the most you'd be willing to give up for him? Oh, yeah. I'd trade for uh, Lafreniere tomorrow, today, for sure. Um, I'd give up Doc for, for Lafreniere. I think that's, you know, two top three, recent top three picks. That would be uh, That would be my offer. If they didn't go for it, well, you know, if they want you to throw in a first-round pick or something like that, you know, no. But uh, I, I don't think that they're – like, I, has a first overall pick ever been traded in their first 
three years, you know, like even Yakupov, as bad as he was, <laughs> they waited four years before they traded him, you know. Uh, I don't believe the rumors that they're, they want to trade him or, you know, or even Lafreniere. It, it's too early in his career. I think it's just uh, people are overreacting a bit to him, uh, you know, sitting out a game and being on the fourth line for a bit. I, I, I think that there's people are going to have to be patient and it, he'll, uh, he'll eventually get going again. And uh, I think it, it's Gallant's, uh, you know, way of trying to give him a kick in, kick in the rear end, get him going, you know, uh, he was great in the playoffs last year. I thought he was one of the Rangers best players. So um, it, it's probably just a bit of a lull and a, and a bit of a wake up call for him. I, that's what I think they're doing. And it, you'll see him, uh, get his game back together and be a vital part of their, of their playoffs again this year. So, so the most, talk. so the most you'd be willing to give up is Kirby doc. So that leads me to believe, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you believe doc's a winger more than a centerman. Mm, if he can't win faceoffs, he's going to have to be, I guess. Uh, he plays more of a center game, you know, other than the fact that he can't seem to win even 40% of his faceoffs. And there's no, there's no regular NHL centerman that that can't win 40% of their faceoffs. So that's, you know, the part of the game that's still got to come for him for sure. But he's pretty responsible defensively. He can keep up with the pace at center. Yeah. Uh, good puck possession guy, you know, um, distributes the puck well. So he's certainly got centerman qualities. Um, so, but there's, there's, you know, there's lots of question marks with Doc yet too. You know, he looked great there for a bit, uh, but like a lot of young young players, very inconsistent. You know, he, I think in the last fifteen games, he has like four points or something like that, and that's that's not good enough. You know, Grant. so uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I mentioned Doc, uh, and Has fans are, are funny like that. You know, oh no, no way you trade Doc for Lafreniere, but. You know, I, I do it in a second. Yeah. Grant, I so appreciate your time. You really extended yourself tonight. You went quite a bit. Man, it's really, really appreciated. There's a lot of people that want to ask you a ton of questions. Can you stick around for maybe two or three more minutes here and just tackle a couple of questions? Uh, absolutely. Uh, thank you very much. So why don't we do that? It's you called. You called. You called. Presented by Playground. Actually, you messaged or you questioned. It's brought to you by Playground, your premier gaming destination, located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. So why don't we get to some of these questions? Let's go for it right now. Uh, this one coming in from Tony Prigionero. Tony, does Grant think Michkov goes into the top five, even with the uncertainty of Russian players, or can Montreal steal them with Florida's pick in the top ten, which is currently pick number nine grant where do you see Michkov going knowing that he signed in the khl and he's going to have to be there for at least a couple more years that's the million dollar question this year i have no idea where he's gonna go there's a lot of teams that i don't think will uh will draft a russian at all this year uh you know not only the uncertainty of uh ukraine and russia uh, the war but uh also um you know he's, he's got 
several years left on his KHL contract too, you know. Um, nobody's getting to scout him this year. Like, uh, and there's a lot of teams that don't even have Russian scouts this year. They can't get money into the, they can't pay their scouts in Russia because they can't get money into Russia, you know. There's a lot of teams that I've talked to that don't aren't doing any that don't even have Russian scouts this year, and they can't go in and see him, and he can't come here to play. So, how do you draft a kid that you don't even see live in his draft year in the top five? Uh, it's going to take a lot of chutzpah. The only guy that I could see that would that that'd be something Irisman would do. You know. Uh, He's done it before, like Vichelnikov last year. You know, nobody in North America saw this kid. I think they scouted him just on video, but but he was lights out. I every scout that I talked to, you know, if you seen Vichelnikov, do you are you guys do you have him on your list? No, no, no. And I kept looking at him, and he was just like he looks like the next Datsuk. And who drafts him? Detroit in the second round, in uh, you know the mid forties last year. So. If any team is going to do it, you know, who nobody was drafting Russians when uh, Irisman drafted uh, Vasilevsky, 21st overall, let alone goalies. Yeah. You know, it's a type of thing that that's a Steve Irisman type move, but I don't believe Montreal is taking any Russians this year. I've, you know, I've done it, I've been talking to a few, few guys and stuff, and my understanding and from what I, what I, can discern don't don't even you know it, it's not happening with the florida pick it's not happening with the montreal pick it's not happening with any of their picks i don't think all right couple more questions here we go this one coming in from tony s what do we do if slavkovsky does poorly in the american hockey league wouldn't that kill his confidence even more grant is that one of your concerns well sending him down or not well i disagree that his confidence killed to begin with so uh, you know, I don't think his confidence is killed as it is. So, you know, no, I don't agree that it would kill his confidence even more because I don't think, you know, I don't think he lacks confidence. All right, next. They're all for you, these questions, Grant. This one here coming in from <laughs> Demetrios Ritalis. Any thoughts on Gallagher? Any value on the market if Montreal retains part of his salary? Oh. You know, I've been thinking about writing this article for the last few weeks that, you know, maybe it's time to to uh, to, to finally shop the the guy that, you know, a few years ago it seemed like was indispensable. But, uh, yeah, they would have to retain salary <laughs> with that contract. And uh, would, would be teams interested? I don't know. If they're scouting him, certainly there's got to be a lot of concern because he it's, just seems like a shell of himself out there, Tony. It's too late to shop him, Grant. Like he well, should have been so. traded before actually signing that contract with the Canadians. Well, probably uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? And this is it's the stock market, right? You you trade an asset when it's at a high, not when it's at a low, and you have yeah. to know when to sell a stock. And the Canadians, because of Mark Bergevin's loyalty to Brendan Gallagher and his love, and by the way, we can all understand it, right? Very lovable guy. All of us would take him on our team, but I mean this car has been going into the garage very very often in the last couple of years for repairs and the car yeah. is never the same next yeah uh bl duff i watched a lot of world juniors i've seen a lot of habs games and i won't be shocked if logan cooley 
ends up five years from now being the best of the 2022 draft class. He seems like the best talent, Grant. No, you can't. Or, you know, the best talent that was at the World Junior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys. Uh, Minchikov, you know, wasn't even at the tournament. He's lighting up the OHL defenseman. He's just putting up uh, unreal numbers. He could, there's a lot of guys that could end up being the, you know, the best guy in the draft class. Like this wasn't a, that wasn't a McDavid draft. There's no clear cut guy that's going to, you know, you know, that's going to be the best. So correct. When no one runs away with the draft, then at that point, it's anyone's draft and anyone could go end up being at the top. Oh. That's when there's no generational talent and that's there's right. no franchise player. And there's no generational talent and probably no franchise player in that draft last year. And then it could be anybody. It could be Nemich. It could be Wright. It could be Slavkovsky. It could be Kulik, uh, Cooley. It, it could be exactly neither of those. It could be your could be, It could be anybody. Could be the guy I ranked number two overall, Noah Osland. You know, could be. Yeah. He was the player of the game for Sweden today. He had a fantastic yeah. game. He scored, he's, yeah. He's uh, wait till next year's tournament. Like, he's just got to get stronger. He's just such a dynamic. I still love him to death. Good and, for you. Uh, I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. we'll we'll end it with this one. One more, okay? We should have ended it, and I love you. But do you trade two <laughs> first-rounders? Would you trade your two first-rounders and Cole <laughs> Caulfield for the number one pick overall? Sure. Yeah. But the other team's not going to accept. Yeah, listen, the team that gets the first pick overall <laughs> will we'll not trade that pick. No. So no, in the it's... meantime, let's just hope that the Montreal Canadiens will. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, but Gary Bettman is going to make sure that Connor Bedard goes to Arizona. Why? Why? Connor McDavid ended up in Edmonton. I mean, did would, would Gary Bettman, did he arrange for Connor McDavid to end up in Edmonton? You know, we'll see what can happen. Anything can happen. Obviously, the Canadians would need to lose more games and need to be more near the bottom to increase their chances of having the number one pick. At the end of the day, it's a lottery. It is what it is. I hope the Canadians have a lot more luck with lotteries than I do because I don't win many. Grant, thanks, man. Under short notice, I was watching the World Juniors. I was seeing you tweet. I'm watching the Canadians, and I'm like, okay, tonight, who could come on and give me the best show talking about the Canadians and the World Juniors? And um, appreciate you thinking of me, Tony. And I did. And that was it. Thanks again, man. You have a happy new year. Okay. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Tony. All right. There you have it. Grant McCagg, former scout with the Montreal Canadiens and the Bob Ganey administration. And now of recruits and recruits.ca. It's an independent scouting service at a very, very low subscription fee. The guy puts in a heck of a lot of work. He's in arenas all the time in Ottawa, in Ontario, and he's watching a heck of a lot of tape and has all those stats websites and this and that and whatever. Uh, all those, it's, uh, it's uh, I think it's Instat. You can actually go and watch every single shift of every game. You can key in on certain players and stuff like that. Anyway, he's subscribed to all this stuff, and he does unbelievable work. He told you last year that Slavkovsky was going number one, and he told you that Shane Wright wasn't going in the top three, and he was right on both accounts. Hit the sick button, or hit the sick button. Hit the like button if you're liking the sick podcast, and message sick, S-I-C-K, if you like it.
somebody tried to bother me tonight or tease me tonight, took to Twitter and said, hey, Tony, I went on Spotify and I gave you a one-star rating. I was very, instead of a five-star rating, okay? I was, between you and I, I was like very, very tempted. I was with, you know, friends and family at Lacage, And I look at my phone and I saw that tweet. Hey, Tony, I gave you a one-star rating on Spotify. And I was so tempted. I grabbed my phone and I was going to reply. <clears throat> you must be a little bit confused. I wasn't asking you to rate your life. It was to rate the sick podcast. And then I said, I'm not going to do that. So I just blocked him instead. But I ended up doing it on the sick podcast live on YouTube. Live podcasts, aren't they a beautiful thing? Because you know what? <clears throat> you can just say what's on your mind. Anyway, if you can go to Spotify, you can go to Google, and you go to Apple, and obviously you like what you've been hearing, or you like what you've been watching, give me a five-star review. I put my heart and soul into it. And you know what? If you don't like the podcast, just don't review it at all. How can you not like the podcast? We're a sick army. Our numbers are growing all the time. We are very close to 11,000 subscribers on YouTube. About a year ago, we were probably at about, who knows, a couple of thousand. One year later, we're, uh, we're close to 11,000. With 547 people watching right now on YouTube Live, add to that Twitter, add to that Facebook, and we're probably close to about 1,000 people live watching. A thousand people. That's more people than uh, that listen to the radio nowadays. It's a sick podcast. Happy New Year, everyone. Again, on this January 5th, I usually get in. I'm, I usually I have the habit of saying it for like the first week of the new year. I still wish people a happy new year. Like I went somewhere today. Someone opened the door for me. Oh, thank you. I walked through. Happy New Year. Happy. I held the door for someone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to all of you. Thanks again. Tomorrow night. Friday nights is usually Matt O'Han, but guess what? Tomorrow's his birthday. So he called me and he said, hey, Tone, you know, Friday's my birthday. I'd like to go out. I said, Matt, go out. It's your birthday. Have a happy birthday. I'll be there. I'll take over for you. He said, you sure? It's Friday night. I said, Matt, Friday night. What better way to spend a Friday night with my sick army on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, on Twitter Live? I'll be here. Same time. Same place, tomorrow night, 10 p.m. Eastern, I'm Marinaro. Congrats to Canada. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.